Hello and welcome to Hot Girls Code, a podcast all about software development and being a woman in tech. I'm your host, Lola. And I am your host, Orti. Now, before we get into the episode today, I have a New Year's resolution to try and be like more positive and, you know, think more optimistically. And one of the ways I've been doing this is by trying to show more gratitude because, you know, that's the thing to do. We love it. We love some gratitude. And I thought, why not bring this to Hot Girls Code as well? So Lola, would you be able to share maybe one thing that you're grateful for for this past week? I love this, Orty. I love that you've brought this up because what I do actually in my journal each day is at the end of each journal entry, I do like three things I'm grateful for that day. Often it's just like the same thing. Like it's like my boyfriend, some food. <laughs> it's always food. <laughs> it, it is quite often food. I'm not going to lie. This morning it was banana egg pancakes because that's what I had for breakfast. Can't go wrong. Um, but I'd say, what am I grateful for this week? Um, I feel like the biggest thing I'm grateful for is the weather in Auckland finally deciding to just not be terrible. Stole my one. I was going to use that. <laughs> I think I think we're all grateful for that. Oh, actually, I found a cute little beach that's just five minutes drive from my house. So I was quite stoked about that. It's kind of like a little like yeah. hidden secret beach. So that's what I'm grateful for this week. So, Orty, what are you grateful for this week? I have to say I am really grateful for my brand new Frank Green water bottle. It is pink. It is one litre and it is glorious. I just have to say, I love that you looked over at it when you were saying that, like you're speaking directly to the water bottle. I just love it so much. It has changed me. I am no longer going to be dehydrated anymore because I have this wonderful water bottle to help me drink my water. Hydration queen. We love a hydration queen. Alrighty, let's get into today's episode. Today we're going to be unpacking unconscious bias. This is a real issue in the tech industry and honestly the whole world. There's several aspects of unconscious bias that we want to talk about today. We'll begin by explaining what unconscious bias is, then we'll talk about microaggressions, the impact of unconscious bias, and then we'll delve into a topic known as coded bias. We're then going to talk about how to overcome unconscious bias in yourself and how to mitigate unconscious bias in others. Let's get into it. To begin with, let's unpack what unconscious biases are and where they even come from. Unconscious biases refer to social stereotypes we have about certain groups of people that are formed outside our own conscious awareness. It's triggered by our brains making incredibly quick judgments and assessments of people and situations without us even realizing that it's happening. That is what I call some sneaky brain action going on. The fact like you don't even realize it's happening. Human brains are honestly so crazy. They are. And human brains love to find patterns and shortcuts because it means we have to think less. Love that. <laughs> we all like thinking less, but that's actually how biases are formed. Our brain has made these shortcuts so it can do less work to navigate through a situation. For example, you know intuitively not to ask a toddler for directions because they probably won't be able to help. I mean, I don't know. There are some pretty smart toddlers out there. I feel like every parent also thinks that their child is like this prodigy. And that sounds like an unconscious bias, if you ask me. Literally everyone holds unconscious beliefs about different social groups. These are the prejudices and stereotypes that we form about others. Sometimes these biases make you think about people in a favourable light, and sometimes they are less favourable. 
But the tricky thing with unconscious bias is that we don't even realise we have this prejudice thinking because we aren't conscious of it. This makes it harder to tell when the decision you're making is influenced by bias rather than just being based on the facts. Where do these even come from? These biases are influenced by our background, personal experiences, societal stereotypes and cultural context. And these biases aren't just about the obvious things like you know gender and ethnicity. It's also things like height, body weight, names, and just so many other things that trigger unconscious bias sometimes. It's so crazy to me that even just your name can trigger an unconscious bias in someone. Studies have found that African-American sounding names get callbacks 10% less than white sounding names. Names can be such a quick way to trigger bias. I remember when I was younger, my uncle was trying to apply for a bunch of jobs, you know, really low skill entry level jobs. So his CV was just his name and some previous job experience he had in New Zealand where we live. So not much identifiable information. My uncle's name is a foreign sounding name and he was just not getting any interviews. And then he changed his name to Dylan, which was a nickname on his CV, and kept everything else the same, didn't even change his last name, and reapplied for the same jobs, and this time he got three interviews. That is honestly so sad, and like it's so stuffed up to me that someone's ability to get a job can be influenced so much by just what their name is. The sad thing is that these unconscious biases start when we're young, like really young. For example, research from the University of Washington and the University of Houston found that gender stereotypes around computer science and engineering for kids can start in first grade and stretch all the way through high school. In the study, they interviewed more than 2,000 kids and 51% said that girls are less interested than boys in computer science and 63% of them said that girls are less interested in engineering. So we obviously learn this stuff when we're young and we don't even realise it's kids that we're receiving these subliminal messages. Social perception exists that tech and engineering is for boys and not girls and it's so sad that kids could pick up on these things so early. Yeah, like I feel you kind of think it's like an adult issue, you know, but then when you see research like this, it's like, oh no, this, this is ingrained for, into us since we are very, very young. I actually remember an ex-boyfriend of mine, he had a like significantly younger sister, so we were 18 and his sister was 7 and we were both studying engineering and when I met her and she was like, how did you meet my big brother? I was like, oh, we met studying engineering. But I remember her reaction and it stuck with me today was, what? I didn't know girls could do engineering too. This seven-year-old in like 2016 was shocked that girls could do engineering too. That is so sad. And I remember when I was in high school and I was deciding what to study at uni and I was thinking like I was wondering if I wanted to do like physics or computer science, but I had this idea in my head that I would just be naturally disadvantaged if I did software development or any kind of science because boys were just better at it than I could ever be. And what BS that is. In the same research we were talking about earlier, they also carried out similar studies with 172 kids where the children were given two activities to choose from. When told that boys liked computer science more than girls, only 35% of girls selected that activity. When told that boys and girls were equally interested, 65% of girls selected the computer science activity. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. At a young age, girls have this bias that they don't like computer science, so they don't give it a try. 
And then as they grow up, they don't consider a career in tech because they're like, well, I don't like it. And then when you look at the low numbers of women in tech, it reinforces that unconscious bias that started back when you were a child. Unconscious bias can have a significant impact on our attitudes and behaviours, especially towards other people. It can influence key decisions in the workplace and can contribute to inequality, for example, in selection and recruitment, appraisals or promotion. When unconscious bias interferes in these processes, it has a big impact in diversity. This bias in recruitment can really skew the ratio of men to women, especially in STEM fields. For instance, a Yale University study found that male and female scientists, both trained to be objective, were more likely to hire men and consider them more competent than women, plus pay them four grand more per year than women. So on a surface level, these scientists, you know, probably thought they were being objective, but unconsciously, there was clearly a bias against women. I can't even imagine how they would have, like, reacted to that, because, you know, science is objective. You have the scientific method and all of that, and then just being kind of, like, shown, like... Being called out. Yeah, <laughs> basically being called out for not being objective. We have the receipts <laughs> in the form of a Yale University study. And we see the impact of unconscious bias and the discrimination that comes from it within the tech sector as well. For example, a tech innovation company called Studio Graphene carried out an online survey in early 2020 of more than 500 full-time professionals working within the UK tech sector. The survey results showed that half of women, 49%, have experienced some form of discrimination in the workplace and a fifth, so 20%, have resigned in the past because of discrimination or harassment in the workplace. That is so sad. Now that we know what unconscious bias is, let's talk about one of the ways it can rear its ugly head. And that is through microaggressions. Microaggressions are defined as the everyday, subtle, intentional, and oftentimes unintentional, interactions or behaviours that communicate some sort of bias toward historically marginalised groups like people of colour, the LGBTQIA community, or women. The difference between microaggressions and overt discrimination, or macroaggressions, is that people who commit microaggressions might not even be aware of them. For example, Kieran Snyder, now the CEO of a tech company called Textio, described one of her first experiences with microaggressions as a Microsoft employee. She was going to a company lecture on maths, and when she got there, a couple of men asked her if she was looking for a talk on design that was being held nearby. He had assumed that as a woman, Snyder would not be interested in going to a maths talk. That makes me so mad. But it's something I've totally seen. And I've noticed when I tell guys that I've just met that I work in tech, it's kind of like they don't really believe me. Or I must work in like marketing or some non-technical role. You know, it's like they need proof. Oh my gosh, yes. And, and I know this is something we're going to talk about later. But yeah, I've had so many people assume that I do marketing and not engineering literally just from my personality. So if you're listening, maybe if someone says they're a software developer, just believe them. Like, <laughs> they're probably not lying. Just a hot tip for you. <laughs> An important thing to highlight is just because the word is microaggressions, that doesn't mean they don't have a big impact. Microaggressions can really add up over time. And it's like that saying, death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah, maybe it's small enough that you can let it not bug you the first or second time it happens. But over time, it really adds up. Yeah, definitely. And it also opens up the door for more aggressive things like 
outright sexist or racist jokes, and then that in turn can evolve into even more negative attitudes. If we're complacent about this sort of stuff, that's when it starts to be normalized, and these attitudes and ideas can lead to significantly nastier things. Exactly. Just because it might be something someone doesn't realize they're doing, it doesn't mean it won't have an impact on someone else. It is important to be alert and notice when you or the people around you are carrying out microaggressions and to speak up or do something when you notice it. Now that we know what unconscious bias and microaggressions are, we wanted to explore the impact unconscious bias has on the recruitment process and in the workplace itself. Recruitment can be overwhelming for both interviewers and candidates. When overwhelmed, people tend to favor familiar things. And during the hiring process, this can appear in the form of affinity bias. Affinity bias is an unconscious bias that causes people to gravitate towards others who appear to be like them, maybe those with similar interests, backgrounds, or appearances. And it can prevent diversity in teams if you only hire people who look or act like you do. This is why recognizing unconscious biases is so important. And we will be giving you some tips on how to do so later in the episode. There are lots of different ways that unconscious biases present themselves in the recruitment process. One thing I have noticed is often when I'm working with a male developer and will be preparing for a technical interview for a candidate and they will just assume the person we are interviewing is a guy. Like, even if they have the most ambiguous name, they'll be like, oh yeah, so I'm going to ask him and I have called him out. I have said oh, like, I think this is, like might be a girl because of her name, so why don't we just refer to them as they? Because, you know, you can't assume gender. And they will still go, oh, yeah, so I want him to do this, and I want him to do that. And it's like, just use they. It's not that hard. And it may seem like such a small thing, but, like, just that assumption of, oh, we're interviewing a developer, so it must be a guy. It can kind of feel like a subtle dig, like you as a woman aren't the default. I have a name where people often don't know what gender I am. And I've gone into interviews before where they're like, oh, you just weren't what I was expecting. And yeah, they could mean, you know, my extroverted personality that, you know, shines so bright. But my mind is always like, is it because I'm a girl? Is the fact that I am a girl disappointing to you? Would you have not invited me for an interview if you knew I was a girl? I also have the most frustrating story about unconscious bias in a recruitment process that I went through. Now, if you know me, or if you've seen our Instagram, you know that I like making things look pretty. I'm all about that aesthetic. So obviously my CV was no exception. I put all of my information on a Canva doc. Also, shout out to Canva and its CEO, Melanie Perkins. Canva is the world's largest female-founded and woman-led startup, which is pretty awesome. Anyway, I'm making my CV in Canva, and it is aesthetic, and it needs a color scheme, obviously. So I was like, okay, I want to convey who I am in this color scheme. So I went with pink, not really thinking anything of it, like, I like pink, whatever. Fast forward a few months, I was talking to one of the guys who interviewed me, and he actually said, oh, I put your CV on the bottom of the pile because it was pink. And I was like, what? Despite all my experiences, all my achievements, literally just the color of my CV, the fact that I made it pink made this guy totally disregard me and put me at the bottom of the pile. And then when he actually interviewed me, that's when he realized, oh, this girl actually knows what she's talking about. 
that makes me so angry. Like, why wouldn't it be like, oh, she's made her CV pink and pretty. That means she's, you know, cares about how she's presented and cares about, you know, she makes sure that things are complete and they look good. And instead of being impressed, he was like, oh, it's pink. Bye. Yeah, apparently not. Apparently that means that I would be a terrible potential employee. (laughs) And how does that affect your ability to be a developer? I don't understand. Makes no sense. Very frustrating. Unfortunately, unconscious bias doesn't end with recruitment. These biases also show up in the workplace, often in the form of microaggressions. We've both seen this in the tech industry. Anecdotally, it always seems to be the women in teams that end up organising things like team lunches, you know, making the booking or ordering a cake for the squad when it's time to celebrate. So I feel like that's a really interesting kind of form of this unconscious bias in the workplace too. Yeah, and like... I know for me, I've had meetings where I'll say the same thing as like a male developer in the room and I'll get ignored, especially by people that like actually aren't in our team when it's someone external. Like I'll say something and they'll be like, wow, that's cute. Yeah. Or they literally will not acknowledge it. And Mm. it's funny because bless the male devs in my team, they will do things like they will just be like, well, I agree with what Audie said or Audie, what was that you said? I thought that was a good point. And I'm like, Thank you. I appreciate that. I love that. You need people to like support you and build you up like that. When I was a developer, I was the only female dev in my squad and I would occasionally not be tagged in messages where all of the other devs were tagged. Um, and it was like they were for, they forgot it was my job as well. I've also been referred to as a lad in meetings where I'm the only woman. So that's not a lot of fun because personally, I don't identify as a little lad. <laughs> Oh, that is so annoying, especially when you're like, I'm literally the only one you forgot. Like, yeah, it's like this feels personal. (laughs) Another thing that's got pointed out to me by someone who's more senior in the industry is she noticed that women tend to be praised more for soft skills, like, you know, things like you're so organized or you're so friendly and less for their technical skills. And this leads to women exiting technical roles a lot earlier in their career because it's not what they think they're naturally good at. I've been a manager for a female intern this past summer and I have made it an active point to make sure I highlight her technical skills and if there are managers listening, I encourage you to do the same because that does affect people's own biases about themselves. Another bias we and a lot of female developers we know experience is what people expect a developer to look like. You wouldn't believe the amount of people who don't believe us when we say we're developers. People constantly assume we're in marketing, like we said before. I think partly because of our loud personalities, though. It's crazy, though, because I've actually met, like, a lot of extroverted developers, and I've met introverted developers, too, but I'm like, why are we the ones that you're surprised about? Hint. (laughs) Might be because we're female. (laughs) Probably. Yeah, because, like, even extroverted male developers fall under the category of, you know, tech bros. So if you're an extroverted male developer, you're a tech bro. If you're an introverted male developer, then you fit that classic nerd stereotype. Where do the rest of us fit into that? I've also seen this happen in some of like the worst places. So I had a friend of mine that was at a recruitment event for the company she worked for and it was her and a male developer and there was like a line of people waiting to talk to them and the you know she was done with her person so she goes to like the next person hey I'm free and he said and this is a quote oh sorry I'm waiting to talk to the developer Oof. yeah she was like I I'm a developer 
you can talk to me. And he was like, oh, oh, I, oh, okay. And then he proceeded to like mansplain the basics of web development to her after she had already explained that she was a web developer. I remember you've also told me a story before about how you've been at kind of recruitment events like that and you've felt like the people who are actually the applicants, like they're wanting a job at the company you work at and they've kind of been asking you questions, almost like testing your knowledge base. Like, what a patronising thing to do. I've, I've had people do that and then be like, no, you're wrong when I give them an answer. Oh and I'm God. like, well, that's literally what I, I did today at work. Or I'm sorry, I've worked at this company for two years at that point. Like, it's so infuriating. And all of this really sucks because it makes you feel like, you know, you don't belong to that group. And it makes you feel like you have to work twice as hard to be taken seriously. And unconscious bias doesn't just affect us when it comes to people. It can also affect our work. For example, there's a phenomenon which you might have heard of called confirmation bias. When you really want to implement a specific solution or maybe use a certain technology, you often subconsciously will seek out information that supports the solution you want and focus more on that and push aside anything that contradicts the thing that you want to see. You basically only see what you want to see. There's also the availability heuristic, which is our tendency to think that if something can be easily recalled, well then it must be important. And what you tend to recall more easily is usually stuff that had like a big emotional impact. This happens to me a lot when I'm investigating bugs or issues that users are having. Rather than, you know, being methodical and collecting all the information and digging into the issue, if a problem rings a bell with a previous issue we had go really, really wrong, I usually jump straight to that part and start investigating there. And sometimes my instincts were right and I saved time, but sometimes I am totally off and it's only after I spend ages looking into a place that I thought the issue was going to be at, I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back and look into the details again and I realize it's actually somewhere totally different. So far we've talked about what unconscious bias and microaggressions are and the impact of unconscious bias in recruitment and the workplace. Now we're going to change tack a wee bit and talk about another really interesting form of unconscious bias, and that is coded bias. Unconscious bias doesn't just affect how we go about writing computer programs, it can actually leak into the programs themselves. Although we may think computers are totally objective and couldn't possibly have unconscious bias, this is unfortunately not the case. There is this fantastic quote from Invisible Woman by Caroline Criado Perez, which goes, Bytes may be neutral, but programmers are often wittingly or unwittingly biased. Since computer programs are written by humans and trained off of human data sets with biases in them, the computers essentially learn to also have that same bias. There's this really interesting example from several years ago at Amazon, where they created a machine learning recruitment tool to basically review job applicants' resumes or CVs. But by 2015, the company realized its new system was not actually rating candidates for technical jobs like software developer roles in a gender neutral way. And that's because Amazon's computer models were trained by observing patterns in resumes submitted to the company over the previous 10 years. And most came from men due to the male dominance across the tech sector. 
So basically, this system taught itself that male candidates were better and penalised resumes that included the word women's as in women's chess club captain. That is so scary. And with the way that artificial intelligence is going, this is something that might only get worse as time goes on. If this type of stuff interests you, I really recommend the documentary Coded Bias on Netflix. It is so eye-opening. We actually did a viewing of it at work, um, maybe last year, maybe the year before that. I don't know. I'm really struggling with time. They all merge into one. They all merge into one. Um, but it was so interesting. Warning, though, it may make you very sad or very angry, especially if you're a woman or a person of colour or like me, both, <laughs> or... You know, you could try to take a different way and maybe it'll inspire you to be, you know, one of the ones to help fix the issue of coded bias. I loved that documentary. So in it, MIT graduate student Joy Blomweeny discovers that some facial recognition technologies couldn't accurately detect faces that were female or had darker skin, including her own. She looked into it further and found that the data sets used to program these technologies consisted mostly of men and lighter-skinned faces. So even if the intention was never to be racist or sexist, the technologies learnt from what they were given. I actually had experience with this myself because it made me so mad when your know, facial recognition to unlock your phone first started to become a thing. And my boyfriend at the time, he was white, and he could unlock his phone wherever he held it. Didn't have to be straight on. He could also do it with his glasses, without his glasses, whatever. But mine would not unlock unless it was dead straight in front of my face. And it drove me crazy because I was like, excuse me, I use my phone more. My phone is a nicer phone than his. Why is it not recognizing me? And this is what happens when we don't have a diverse team to begin with. Because then if, if you had a diverse team, they would be able to call out that, hey, Maybe this data set isn't diverse as it should be. And hey, maybe we have, you know, some blind spots because it's all men that we're training off of. Yeah, it's super important to have diverse voices in the room to help avoid our biases being passed into the code we write. Now we're going to talk about how to acknowledge and overcome unconscious bias in yourself. It's super important to understand what unconscious bias is and to acknowledge the biases you have in yourself. Everyone has unconscious biases. It's impossible to avoid. They are a survival mechanism formed over years of evolutions, so our brains can make quick judgments of people and situations without us even realizing it's happening. However, just because unconscious biases are inevitable, that doesn't make them okay, and that doesn't mean you just have to accept whatever, you know, random quick judgment call your brain made without your conscious thought. To start with, let's accept. We all have unconscious biases. It's part of being human, and we can't tackle it if we don't acknowledge it. One way you could help identify your biases is through an implicit association test to identify implicit stereotypes you hold. There's a Harvard University one online, but apparently this is a controversial assessment tool, so do take it with a grain of salt. For example, I'm Pākehā or New Zealand European, and I have actually caught myself making assumptions about people that I don't know due to the environment that I was raised in and the media I consumed. When I actually realised what my brain had done and caught myself out in that moment, I felt really gross. But the only way to overcome unconscious bias is by reflecting on these assumptions you make about the people and the world around you and actually seeing these biases for yourself. It is so important. 
We're a product of our environment and it's important to allow yourself that room to grow and overcome your biases and, you know, to acknowledge that you do have them when you notice them. It's also really important to question your biases. For example, think of an assumption you have about someone or a group of people or even why you do things a certain way. You create a hypothesis around it, like this is because insert reason. And then you question where that reason came from. And then look at the data. Not just the supporting data, but also actively seek out data that contradicts it. Because we don't want confirmation bias here. Exactly. And make sure the data you are looking for is coming from a reliable and trusted source. You should be checking multiple sources. Fact check things. Talk to the people around you. You know, talk to strangers on the internet that live a completely different life. You know, obviously be cautious. And then once you've collected all that data, try to figure out if the data proves or disproves your hypothesis. I mean, this is definitely all easier said than done, but it's a great way to start. Another thing you can do to overcome your biases is to widen your social circle and spend time with people from different backgrounds. Just by being exposed to different perspectives and ways of thinking, that can help open your mind and get you thinking more critically. Yeah, it's so important to hear other people's stories and the challenges that they've faced in order to understand their perspective better. I read in a Forbes article that a 2019 study from researchers in France actually found that the hiring committees that were more aware of the barriers that women face were more likely and more keen to overcome their implicit associations that science is predominantly a male domain. On the other hand, the hiring committees that had shown a strong belief that science is not sexist and has no gender bias, they were less likely to promote and recruit women. So it kind of shows that the more awareness you have of other people's struggles and the way that they perceive life, the more compassion you're going to have. Wow, that is like such an interesting study and it makes total sense when you think about it. Our final tip to help you mitigate unconscious bias in yourself is to avoid making assumptions or relying solely on gut instinct. It can be hard sometimes to differentiate between an unconscious bias and a gut feeling. And I mean, trusting your gut is a thing, you know, from evolution and who are we to question evolution? But what is important is that you take the time to question where your instinct is coming from. And maybe you can try to identify if it's coming from a bias that isn't fair to apply to a situation. Side note, I do not trust my gut because I have celiac disease and I swear to God, if I just look at food the wrong way, like my stomach will get upset. So not an issue for me. A great quote that I found from Magdalene Health that I feel like sums up what we're saying is... To overcome unconscious bias, we must become aware of its presence, reflect on the nature of prejudice, determine how it affects our ideas, and then commit ourselves to implementing practical strategies to counteract bias through behavioral change. We've talked about acknowledging and overcoming unconscious bias in ourselves, but how can we help to mitigate it in other people? Well, first of all, if you notice a bias in someone around you, ask them about it. Things like, where did you get the information? You know, what makes you think that? I love that advice that I've seen in like memes online where if someone makes a sexist joke or a racist joke, say like fully straight faced, I don't get it. Can you explain why that's funny? 
you know, you call them out, make them explain their bias, and then maybe they'll see how whack what they're saying actually is. And sometimes people don't even realize that they have a bias, so simply asking them where their assumptions come from can help highlight to them that, hey, you do indeed have a bias. A similar but kind of different piece of advice is to then also advocate for people when you notice someone showing a bias against them. This is like what I've said before about what the male developers in my team will do. They will literally say things like, you know, what Audie said. Even if it didn't change someone else's mind, it helps me to not form that bias about myself. You know, it helps me be like, wow, I do know what I'm doing. And it's actually really lovely. Another way to help mitigate unconscious bias in others is by having a rotation chart for tasks to avoid stereotyping. This is especially good for housekeeping tasks like writing minutes, organizing refreshments, or even chores at your flat in order to avoid the potential for gender stereotyping and all of those tasks falling on one person. It's also important to ensure that people who are running interviews are aware of what unconscious bias is and encourage them to identify any unconscious biases that they may have. There are a lot of different unconscious bias training courses out there that can help you with this. But there are a few caveats with this. So firstly, it shouldn't be a one-off training session. It should be more ongoing, so it's something that stays front of mind, and it's something that people are encouraged to continue exploring. There's also some evidence to suggest that it's important to not make this mandatory, as this can backfire with people feeling disempowered. So instead, it should be more something that people are encouraged to do, and the value of doing it should be clearly demonstrated. Don't make it a box-ticking exercise. And just this training alone isn't enough. There needs to be systemic changes that also aim to support the elimination of bias. You could do something like stripping identifying information out of CVs, like gendered pronouns. Another thing is using frameworks and models that structure thinking in a way that minimizes biases like having a list of ranked criteria for candidates and focusing on assessing candidates only based on that criteria when hiring. Creating clear, succinct lists of qualifications provides a focus that helps steer decision makers away from race, gender, or any other factors that could have an unconscious bias. And this use of a framework and models should also be extended into the workplace itself. Things like using competency frameworks for assessing someone's skills in the workplace as opposed to letting our biases get in the way. So rather than your manager being like, yeah, I reckon they're a good developer. Promote them. Looks pretty good to me. <laughs> LGTM. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, your manager has a list of criteria that they can use to assess you, and this makes sure you're being assessed by the same standards as other developers. That brings us to the end of today's episode. We hope you've learned a little bit more about unconscious bias and maybe have even had a wee think about what biases you have yourself. Today, we spoke about what unconscious bias and microaggressions are, unconscious bias in recruitment and the workplace, coded bias, and how to overcome unconscious bias in yourself, as well as help to mitigate it in others. Our next episode is all about what makes good code. We're going to talk all about solid principles, Yagni, and smelly code. So if that has piqued your interest, make sure you tune in next Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a rating and subscribe to Hot Girls Code wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram and TikTok under at hot underscore girls underscore code to keep up to date with the podcast and learn more about software development and being a woman in tech. Thanks for listening. Bye.